Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm a feminist, but I decided today what I want, what I need is a personal trainer who is like a handsome but slightly dominant man. <laughs> but, and this is key, while I want to be titillated by it so that I'm inspired to exercise every day, he must not know that he's doing it. <laughs> it must be, and I cannot be too clear about this, it must be, on his part, unconscious. Because I once had a personal trainer who was sort of doing it on purpose, and I was really like, no. <laughs> so what I want is a dominant man who doesn't know that his dominance is very mildly arousing to me. Very mildly. <laughs> not in a creepy way on my part. Just so mildly, I barely even know I'm turned on. But I just somehow think, why do I love personal training so much? And why am I doing extra when he's not there so he says how good I've been? Like, that's what I want. Is that wrong? Now, half the audience have said yes very clearly and half the audience have said no very clearly. So I, what I've heard is no. I mean, oh, I don't know. It's a bit like prostitution, isn't it? In a sense. <laughs> isn't it? Because you're paying him to titillate you, isn't it? Well, I'm very sex worker positive, but I mean, it's me true, too. Though it's true, though, that if he doesn't know that I'm, I'm a rat, like I wouldn't like it if a man hired me and he was secretly being aroused by me. I would find that really offensive and terrible. <laughs> and yet, it is what I want. <laughs> And that's why I've put it in the I'm a feminist butt section because this is like the feminist confessional. I'm not going to do this, by the way. I'm not going to do this. I'm just saying what I secretly want and know is bad. But I feel like... Like, who does it hurt, honestly, if I'm like, oh, Like, I'm not saying I'm, like, <laughs> fantasising about him. I'm not having an orgasm after he leaves. I'm just... Certainly not while he's there. <laughs> I'm just like... Like, if I have a little bit of... 
every now and again. Is that so wrong? Like, because I, I wouldn't like it if a man was secretly doing that. And although would I? It depends how. I'd, if I was very attracted to him, and I felt me kind of just being a little bit bossy was making him go, mm, I might like it, but only in certain contexts. And I would have to determine the context and the man and how much he was allowed to enjoy it. I need to be in control of the whole thing, which makes me question if I'm really submissive at all. Do you have an I'm a feminist podcast here? Please start talking so I can stop. I do. I'm a feminist, but um, I sometimes pretend I'm pregnant on the bus just to get a seat. I mean, that's not okay. It's just not okay. I know. I know. I just can't help it. Um, yeah, I, I just... I think it's that you absolutely can help it. <laughs> it's the opposite of what you cannot help. I do... As long as you don't wear a baby on board pin. No. I tried to get one of those and they told me no. <laughs> I tried. Well, I mean, okay, this is how I could put it to you. Are yes. you sure you're not pregnant? Because if you think you might be, then I think it's okay. No, I'm not, but I can think I am if, I need, if that will make it better. <laughs> no, I mean... I'm definitely not, unfortunately. Yeah. That means I'm not having sex, guys, okay? <laughs> yeah, we got it. We so got to it. spell it out to you, um, it's not because I can't get it. It's because I don't want it from the filthy trap that's offering it. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Um, the stipulation I've got is if I ask the personal trainer, who must not know he's doing it, he must just be, you know, personal trainer's job is to be a bit bossy, and he absolutely mustn't know he's doing it, or it won't work. I don't... I, I had it once and I was like, well, this is sleazy, I don't like it. So he mustn't know he's doing it. However, if at any point I turned around to him and said, do you know what you're doing? And he denied that he was doing it, I'd be so angry. Because <laughs> he does know. They all know. He mustn't know. But if I called him on it, I'd need him to know. <laughs> I can see why sometimes men find me confusing. <laughs> I, I can see that. But I just think, oh, they've got lots. Like, they run the world. It's all right for me to want two absolutely opposite impossible things from them and expect them both. And both cancel each other out. I think I'm not being unreasonable at all. All I want is a personal trainer who motivates me by being handsome and bossy, doesn't know that he's doing that, has no idea how handsome and bossy he is, but also, when I tell him, for him to go, of course I know what I'm doing. I'm deliberately trying to titillate you because I fancy you like mad. And then what would you do? Well, remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't got that far in the relationship. I don't really want anyone watching me sweat in lycra to then see me naked, actually. I think most of my crushes or... I don't really want to have sex with them. I just want them to fancy me ostentatiously and for nothing to come of it. Because as soon as something came of it, it would ruin it. I agree. It ruins the fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I agree. Like the reality of an erection. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's the reality of the erection. Do you remember, did your parents or like, the women in your family grow up, did they ever just say to you, never touch a man above his knee? Because then, like, some reaction happens. I'm like, what reaction? Do I need to have antihistamines? What's going on? <laughs> and what they meant is code. The reaction is the Don't erection. touch a man above his knee. Yeah. Have you ever so seen... What, you could just touch a man on his calf? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't Never know. touch a man above the knee. That's it, yeah, emotion. above the knee. Never touch. I was never told that. I was no. never told that. I was never told that. I've, I should have been told that, clearly. <laughs> I was never told that. Didn't know that. Do you have any more, Fatia? So I'm a feminist, but I used to work in an office. I used to be an administrator. Yeah. I used to be a very good administrator. Yeah. But I hated doing reports. So I would go to the nicest guy in the office and go, I don't know how to do this report. And he would go, Fetihah, let me show you. And then he would show me. It was very easy. It was like control one. It was that simple. And I'd go, I still don't get it. And then he runs my reports. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. I do. I make sure I wear an extra short hijab. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that kind of, maybe show a little bit of the. 
be like, I don't know how to run reports. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. We're all married now because you see my skin, by the way. But yeah, and then and then get him to We're do it. We're all married. Yeah, we've all married you now because yeah. you've shown us some skin. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even do any personal training with me. <laughs> Um, I'm a feminist, but when I saw that Tory mingle jingle video, and if you're listening internationally, uh, while we were all having to stay inside and not see our ill and sometimes dying relatives, apparently uh, the people working for the government were having massive Christmas parties. And uh, when I saw the video of the Christmas party with that uh, man and woman dancing, and they were doing some kind of jive dancing... um, when she crashed into a table, knocked things over and clearly hurt herself. I was really happy. I was really happy. It was very embarrassing for her. I mean, she didn't hurt herself. I didn't think she properly hurt herself, but it's got a banged a bit, hasn't it? And she was, she, she was embarrassed, and I was thrilled. Thrilled. And wherever, presumably she can't come out of the house at the moment because people are about, are you all the one from that video jingling and mingling? Because that's what it was called, jingle and mingle. Which sounds Tory, doesn't it? That's the, way, that's the way Tories would... Young Tories as well. They're young Tories, and that's what I can't understand. An old Tory I can get my head around. But a young Tory. Young Tories jingling and mingling, which you know full well is what they call shagging. Just a little jingle and a mingle. Yeah, and then we could, you know, I don't know, cut our own tax and... <laughs> You know, lick stamps or something. I don't know what they do. Do you think, do you think young Tories are aroused by stamp licking? Yeah, because they're sure. licking the Queen's head. Probably <laughs> the King's head now. My yes, like, oh, probably they like that even more. I just, I do despair of this government, and no. they are getting worse and worse every day. It's just really, it's really awful who, how they are, and who they are, and why they are. Boris Johnson saying, "I didn't know about it." It's like, well, either then you're completely incompetent because they're having massive, great big fuck-off parties in your Mm. office, or you're a liar. So you're incompetent or you're a liar. And I think we all know which one it is, given you won't look us in the eye and tell us how many children you have. (laughs) (laughs) Both. Both. Because I think it's incompetent to have so many children to so many different people and not be able to name them all. (laughs) And you're lying about where they are at all times. Do you have any more I'm a feminist parts? Yes, I do. So, <clears throat> oh, this one's really bad. But okay, I'm going to do it. So basically, I was on the escalator going up, and then this woman walked past me, and she had the really heavy bag, and I could hear all this clinging in it. Like, she had like metal or something in it. I don't know what it was. And she hit me with it. And I was like, excuse me, you've just banged me in my hand. And she turned around, she was like, sorry, and carried on walking. Like up the escalator, and as she walked up, I saw her skirt was tucked into her knickers. <laughs> so I didn't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, no, that's really bad. Usually I would. Like, usually I'd take yeah. my hijab off and make you a skirt, but um, <laughs> I yeah. thought, no, bitch, you nearly broke my arm. Are you crazy? And then you turn around and look at me like that. You're lucky I can't run. Otherwise, I would have got you. Live from King's Place in London. Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Thank you. Uh, I'm Deborah Francis-White. With me is Fatia El Ghori and tonight we are talking about being bilingual both linguistically and also as a feminist. Because sometimes what's feminist in one culture might be different in another culture. Um, so we're talking about cultural Bilingual feminism as well as linguistic bilingual bilinguality. <laughs> now, if you don't know the word bilinguality, what you don't understand is I was raised in Australia, and that's a very real word there. Now, you don't know that because you're not bilingual between Britain and Australia like I am. If you're listening in Australia, please don't write in and tell everyone that that isn't true. 
because I think it would be funnier if we just got away with it. Um, you're bilingual. I am, yes. You speak Arabic and... It's, a di- it's Moroccan dialect. It's called Derija. So it's a mix. It's, a little, it's not Arabic, really. It's a, bit of Ar- a little bit of Arabic. And I thought like... you meant it was a, a Moroccan dialect of Arabic, but it's a totally different thing. Yeah. It's a di- so it's um, a little bit of Arabic, and then it's uh, uh, the Berber language, or Amazigh, um, a little bit of French, because we were colonised by the cunts. And... Um, <laughs> Our guest is today half French, you know. Oh, that. shit. <laughs> Sorry, je, je t'aime beaucoup. That's, that's not fooling anyone, Fatia, now. Can't just back up with je t'aime after you've called people cunts. I'm pretty sure you can't. I'm, I'm sorry. Sure can't. Je suis désolé. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, a little bit of French and Spanish because they colonised us as well. And, yeah, I'm not going to call them that in it because, um, yeah, I've offended one um, country as it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so, when you're at home with your family, do you speak that dialect? Yeah. we speak. So, when we were growing up, because I didn't know that we were different. So, like, for me, hearing my brothers and that talk like that and sisters, it was normal. And then um, when I went to school, I think I was about three, and I w- we went into the nursery, me and my mum, and, and the teacher said something, and I looked up at her, and I said to my mum, she doesn't speak like us. And my mum looked at me, and she goes, this is not your country. And then, and that was it. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, she goes, this is not your country. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I didn't speak English till I was about six. And then it was very different. Like, when I was growing up, there was like maybe five ethnic kids in the classroom and then so they'd know you're different let's see my mum was wearing hijab used to get picked on I nearly drowned a kid bruv because yeah he took my wellies and filled them with tag poles innit so I grabbed it I was like what are you doing bruv smack in the face and then we had a little you know the pond where the tag I held him down there <laughs> did you waterboard a child I did I did and then they called my mum and my mum was like I can't take you anywhere and she was really yeah so it was tough but we and <laughs> It was tough. But then my dad, I remember my dad, my brothers would say things like, they'd say in, our, like in the dialect, they'd go, uh, which means please pass me the water. So my brother would go, please, so give me the water, please. And my dad would smack him and go, no English in this house. And it was like, that's what, for, and I was like, oh, what's he talking about? Like, I just didn't realise. So, but I'm grateful. That's not, that's not the, the best way to raise a bilingual child, I don't no, think. No, it's not. No, but that's not, that's not the dream, I don't think. No. no. But does your no. brother now still speak the dialect in English? Yes. So it worked. So yeah. what do I know? Um, Obviously, that's a joke. I should have made a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Well, listen, I look forward to talking more about this um, with our incredible guest, Tati McLeod. <laughs> Hello Guilty Feminists, it's Jessica Regan here just jumping on to let you know of a couple of upcoming dates for our brilliant communication workshop Big Speeches which takes place online The next date it's happening is Sunday the 16th of July at 10.30am Then we have one in August on Sunday the 6th at 3pm and then the last one of our summer season is Sunday the 3rd of September at 3pm If you would like any assistance, help or development with communication, public speaking confidence, charisma, all that good stuff uh, to take place in a joyful supported environment please do sign up for a place on our workshop go to guiltyfeminist.com forward slash big speeches to secure a place now I hope you're having a brilliant summer Hello Guilty Feminist this is Deborah we're recording more live episodes and you can come and see us at King's Place in London on July 24th Soho Theatre on the 11th and the 12th of August we're live from Chichester on the 21st of August and we're recording episodes of The Guilty Feminist and Global Pillage at the London Podcast Festival on Saturday the 16th and Sunday the 17th of September for tickets to any of these go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on live shows I'll be in Chichester because I've written a play called Never Have I Ever which will be on in Chichester at the Festival Theatre at the Minerva for the whole of September it stars Alexandra Roach Amit Shah Greg Wise and Susan McComa and it's about money sex power feminism politics and running a restaurant for tickets go to cft.org 
cfd.org.uk. That's cfd.org.uk. They're really going fast and I'm not just saying that. You can also get ad-free episodes via Patreon, Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus. And if you're passing iTunes or Spotify and you wanted to leave us a five-star review or even you wanted to go there of your own volition, we would love you forever. It really does help other people find the podcast if you follow and if you review. And now back to the podcast. Please welcome to the microphone, the incredible Fatia El Ghori. <laughs> Did you have a nice break, guys? So listen, in the break, yeah, I I went to the bar and I goes to the barman, I goes, can I have a Jack Daniels, right? And they looked at me like I was crazy, innit? And I goes, listen, give me the drink, I've integrated. (laughs) And then they give me the drink and I was like, is it halal? (laughs) They were like, fair tell you have to leave. I was like, no one's leaving, shut up. So um, there's not a lot of comedians that look like me. There's only like two of us, uh, but I'm the better one. <laughs> I, do you know, I had to call her and tell her that I'm doing this joke here because these other comedian cunts, yeah, they'll call her, innit, and they'll go, Fed her slagging you off. So I, had to t- I don't want no beef, innit? I'm already on probation, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not really, bruv, I'm not really, come on. <laughs> but yeah, so like after gigs and that, people are, are interested because they don't normally see people like me. And I get that. But some of them are mental, you know, like, honestly, I swear, they come up to me and they're like, um, oh my God, I've been all over India. What part of India are you from? I'm like, Marrakesh, bitch. Have you been there? No? Or um, one time I was doing a gig in Cambridge and this woman comes up, she goes, oh, can I just say that you doing stand-up makes Muslims seem less scary? I know. And she was smiling from ear to ear, like, yeah, I'm not scared of you, yeah. Mm. So I was like, oh, thank you so much. I said to her, come with me. I've got something in my bag for you. (laughs) And and you always represent your whole community. So I've been asked before, they go, how does your community feel about it? And I'm like, well, there's two billion Muslims in the world. But hold on, we've got a WhatsApp group. Hold on, hold on. But the, f- the one I get asked the most is, um, where are you from, right? And I go, London, and they go, na, 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 na. And they do that thing, you know, where their eyes go up, where their fucking brain should be. <laughs> they go. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, Hackney. They're like, no, no, no. I'm like, it's a small place, bruv. You ain't going to know it. They're like, no, go on, tell me. I bet you I've been there. I bet you I've been there. I'm like, you ain't. They're like, no, go on, go on. I'm like, okay, it's uh, my mum's vagina. <laughs> and you better not have been next to my dad's violence. I shout a lot, innit? I'm going to lose my voice by the end of tonight. Thankfully for you, innit? Um, should I carry on? Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm just checking. I'm scared of her. <laughs> So yeah, wearing a hijab, I get a lot of shit, and it's usually from men, and um, they always try to like rip it off my head and stuff, but they're all dead now, so. (laughs) So yeah, but but there are perks to a hijab, you know, like um, like I always find food in the creases. You know what I'm saying? And if I'm going down the street, I see some prick I'm trying to avoid. I'm like, oh shit! Honestly, it's, it's, it's handy, it's handy. And in the summer, I like wearing, like, the light... Uh, I've got lots of light... I'm, I'm not wearing it now, but I've got light-coloured hijabs, really beautiful one. One of my favourites is a baby blue one. And whenever I wear it, I'll always get compliments, right? And the best one I've ever had, this woman goes, Oh, my God, your hijab's so beautiful. You look like the Virgin Mary. <laughs> I wish this was a joke. This is my life. Like, this ain't even... I swear. And people always say things. You know, like, when they go, um, I don't see colour. And then they go, I don't see hijab. And I'm like, <laughs> So, yeah, and I'm thinking, maybe when I... Um, I'm thinking, like, if this comedy stuff don't work out, I'm going to start doing, like, gender reveals. Do you know? With my hijab. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So I'll be like, oh, and sometimes I'll put a yellow one, a green one, go, oh, do you know what I'm saying? You didn't like that one? Okay, fuck you. (laughs) So um, growing up, um, I noticed like my Western friends would get disciplined differently from how we would, right? So like my Western friends, if they did something naughty, their mum would be like, silly Millie. 
Naughty Nelly, malicious Melinda. Like, I'll do something naughty. My mum's like, Fetty, you are a donkey. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes we'll be at someone's house and she'll go, Fetty, and I turn around and she'll go, What are you doing, bruv? She used to make us watch Crime Watch when we was growing up. Honestly, and they, you know they do, like, Crime Watch is like this programme, they do reconstructions and, tr- and they try to find, like, the criminals. And there was once we was watching it, it was a burglar, and they were, so they were showing it and she goes to me, Fatiha, you see, this is what happens when you do not kiss your mother goodnight. I'm telling you, she's wild. And proper paranoid as well. Like, recently she got her uh, free Oyster card, like, because she's of retirement age. But to get the card, you have to have your picture taken, right? So we took a photographer. She's like this at the, at the booth. She's like... <laughs> I'm like, why are you doing that? You look mad. She's going to me, shh, Fatiha. This is so they cannot use it in porn. I'm telling you, she's, she's proper mad, delusional. Delusional is the word. Proper, isn't it? Who thinks like that? She's mental. <laughs> I'm telling you. And, um, like, North African and Arab parents, like, they never tell you they love you, you know? Like, all they do is, like, feed you and feed you and feed you and feed you. And if it wasn't obvious, I'm the favourite. Okay. That's my favourite joke. I've got one more, or shall I stop? I do, it's up to... What well, I do one more. Okay, I do one more. Um, which I forgot what it was going to be. Oh yeah, I remember. So <laughs> I remember now. You know, so, can I do two more? Sorry, I, they're a minute long. I promise. Okay. So, oh, I'm enjoying it so much. Oh, thank you. Tati won't enjoy it when we have to cut five minutes off of hers. But <laughs> she'll be like, she'll be like, <laughs> you know, and all that shit. Anyway, she'll get a gun out in it. Fucking. Do you remember the French thing? Yeah? That's a callback, you pricks. <laughs> you fuckers, I swear. Okay, so, what was I going to say? Yeah, um, oh shit, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, you know when you go on a date with someone and they like you, but you don't feel them in it, and then they try to kiss you, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 Allah wouldn't like it, no, sorry, no, no. But if they're fit, I'm like, come to me! And they're like, no, Fatiha, we're Muslim. We need to wait till we get married. And I'm like, who is Fatiha? My name is Fiona. I'm only wearing this because it's raining. Come to me. <laughs> All right, this is the last one. Then I'm going to fuck off. Okay. So um, I, I see this thing on Twitter the other day, and it was a petite girl. And um, she had like free trays. It was a video. She had free trays of food, like burgers, chips and donuts and she ate them all, right? She ate them all so there was all these guys in the comments going oh, I love a girl that can eat I love a girl that can eat so I come in the comments in it and I'm like <laughs> and then they go not like that <laughs> thank you Fatiara <laughs> Elgora everybody One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Our guest today has gained legions of followers thanks to her hilarious and astute observations of French and British culture. Born in Zimbabwe and raised in France, she has distilled this global perspective into hilarious online sketches, which has garnered her over 50 million views and over 320,000 followers across social media, also known as that French TikTok lady. Please welcome to the stage and to the microphone, the incredible Daddy McLeod! <laughs> Thank you, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi, Deborah. Fatter. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, it's so nice to be here. It's so nice to be amongst um, so many women. Um, but the vibe has been shifted. Uh, <laughs> no, it is, it is, it is. I mean, it, you know, it sounds cheesy, silly, or like I'm trying to get on side to say I really love women. But... But um, hot take, I do. I think we're great. I, uh, I think I feel that way as well, though, because I actually, I, I, have, I have three sisters. I'm one, of, I'm one of four girls, so I grew up very much surrounded by women. Um, it's kind of a thing being one of four girls. I don't know if anyone else here is. Give me a cheer if you're, if you're one of four girls. Oh, a few, a few of us, yeah, so you'll know this, right? So people always have a reaction to it, right? And they always say the same thing. You tell them one of four girls and people go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Your poor dad. <laughs> Your poor dad. How did he cope with having four girls? How did your dad cope with having four girls? Well, I would tell you how he coped, right? It's a little top tip for you, actually. So this is what my dad did. Uh, listen in. Right, okay. So my dad, right, my dad left. <laughs> it's very effective. It's very effective. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and following on from that, my mum decided she did a bit of a change of scenery, understandably, and she decided to move us all to rural France. Okay, now, <laughs> bit of context. My mum, is she French? No, she's not. Uh, did she have a job out there? Absolutely not. A French partner? No way. Does she speak French? Not a word. <laughs> she's a vegan who doesn't drink. Okay. <laughs> Okay, it was so random, it looked like we were on a witness protection program. <laughs> that just about made it, just about made it make sense. And I grew up in France, I moved back to the UK as an adult. I've been in the UK and in France, in France half of my life and then in England half of my life. So like, I really feel like I have a very good gauge on our two cultures. And I actually think I've been able to distill down into one word the difference between the French and the English, right? And that one word is moderation. <laughs> English people have none. You know, really? We're not a moderate nation of people. Do you know in France they've got something called aperitif? Un petit apéro, aperitif, small glass of wine, couple of nibbles, charcuterie board, aperitif. In England, we do not a pair of fucking teeth. <laughs> in England, we say stuff like, I'm coming for one, and then we wake up in Cardiff. <laughs> Next to a man called Gavin. Ah! <laughs> Cradling cheesy chips in a UTI. Do you know what I mean? It's just. <laughs> they know. This room knows. <laughs> Always pee after sex, but that's for a different show. It's. Um... Yeah, you know, you've got, you've got to credit the French. The French have a certain finesse that we, the English, have not mastered, right? I'll give you an example the word amuse bouche. You know, amuse-bouche. Some of you get in posh restaurants, yeah? It's a little appetizer, palate cleanser. It's called an amuse-bouche. Mm. Amuse-bouche literally translates as entertainment for the mouth. Now, if the English made something called entertainment for the mouth, <laughs> it would be a cock. Like, 100%. <laughs> Valid or not, you know that's what they'd go with. We just don't have the same finesse. And something that was particularly difficult, so I, I, I moved to England as, as an adult woman, and, and so what started happening was that, was that I had to start dating uh, what, what, what are called um, English men. And... <laughs> Hello, Sal, on the front row. It's... Um, <laughs> It's, look, the thing is, it's just very different. It's really something you have to adapt to. You know, they're very different. Chalk cheese, baguette, pork pie. They're a very different, <laughs> very different kettle of fish. Can I get your name, sir? Sorry? No, okay. <laughs> 
He thought I could see where this is going and I want no part in it. <laughs> Fair enough, wise choice. Yeah, he's a savvy Englishman. Well, the thing is, everything is different. That's what you've got to do. Everything is different. Even something as simple, right, as a booty call. Yeah, I'm sure all of us here have been subject to, or maybe even sent a booty call. But you know what a booty call is? Something you do at 4 a.m. when you want to have sex, right? A little text message you send. It's really quite a perfunctory thing, a booty call. A Frenchman booty calling you is a work of art, okay? <laughs> this is what a Frenchman is going to send you at 4 a.m. when he wants to have sex. So go like this, so go. It's me smoking. Hello. I know it is late, but I am thinking of you. Tonight, I feel very close to the moon. We are both alone. Are you alone too? <laughs> By luck, a late night walk has brought me to the foot of your apartment. Oh. <laughs> Opens the door. That we may have a moment together, a little less alone in a world that is so cold. <laughs> That's what a Frenchman will send you at 4 a.m. <laughs> when he wants to have sex. Right. Englishman wants to have sex with you. <laughs> This is the text message that he is sending at 4 a.m. What you up to, aubergine? That is. <laughs> so you have to adapt. You have to adapt. Anyway, that's me. That's a bit of me. And my name is Tati McLeod. Thank you so much. Tati McLeod, everybody. Come take a seat. Patty, it's I really love your work online. Thank I love you. watching all of your uh, your takes on. Uh, if you haven't seen Tatty's uh, TikTok or Instagram, the, there's a video of how things are done in, in Britain and how things are done in France. And in in the, on the French one, it'll all be in French. It'll have English subtitles. And on the it, on the no, hold on. Yeah, no. It, what, the it, other one, it'll have French subtitles. Well, it'll have English titles on the French one. And vice versa. Well, not so much anymore, though. I got a bit lazy, if I'm honest. So let's not pitch that. That's... <laughs> that bit's all in English. I'm sorry. It's all in English now. I, I, really, like, lazy, I, Deborah. I really like the French ones, though, because I love watching you speak French, because you're truly bilingual. Yes. No, so in the French ones, they still put English subtitles, but there was a time in the beginning, well, the pandemic, when we had time on our hands, where I used to, uh, I used to do, in the, on the English bit of the clip, I'd put French subtitles underneath, and on the French bit speaking of the clip, I'd put English subtitles underneath, and now, well, that time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> they are still absolutely brilliant, though. Thank I've seen you. those ones as well, and they are all absolutely brilliant. What do you think are the big differences in terms of feminism in France and the UK? Do you have a sense of that? Well, I'm going to say some stuff, but I feel like French women might hate me for saying it. So I just need to... Pre Is there any French women in the room? Okay, so... Zout alors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, can actually, we just... outnumbered. Outnumbered, <laughs> yeah. Fatia. Fatia, uh, can we just say that the views of Fatia <laughs> are not necessarily those of the guilty feminist? <laughs> French people are welcome. Uh, there's also people here from Belgium. And Dublin, welcome. Um, <laughs> so you can maybe uh, back up or say you agree with or you don't agree with what Tatty's going to say. Yeah. As Because it's, it's important to have discussion where we disagree as well. What do you think the differences are? So the first time I used the word or described myself as a feminist was when I moved to England. Yes, uh, I have had other French women say we don't... Wouldn't necessarily say, say it. That, yeah. Say it in the same way. But I think in some ways... The funny thing about French women is that it can be very much paradoxical. I think that's the right word. Uh, on the one hand, in their actions, so feminist. Mm -hmm. And then in other ways, completely anti-feminist. So you could have a French woman who is living her life in a very feminist way. Not necessarily calling herself feminist, but someone who is unafraid of confrontation, mm -hmm. getting into it at work, not taking shit from people. Her life is not going to be defined by sort of like patriarchal ideas of how you should live your life. Very much a woman who's independent and doing her shit. But also really, 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 really wants to stay thin. Mm -hmm. And those two things can exist together very much in a French feminist woman. I see. Now, French people in the audience, do you agree with that? Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> nail on the, did she hit the nail on the head? What's the French idiom for hit the nail on the head? Do you have one? I don't know. Tepi. 
That'd be the nail on the head. <laughs> Perfectly bilingual, as you can see. <laughs> um, what uh, French people? Do you have one of those? No. Dans le mille. Wait, wait, wait. En plein dans le mille. Okay. What does that mean? Well, you've started. <laughs> <laughs> like in the, it's, it's, a, it's straight in the middle, isn't it? Oh, you've got it right in the middle. You bull, hit the bullseye type film. Yeah. Um, any other observations from the French people in the audience about what you think is the difference between feminism in France and feminism in the UK? Do you think... Hmm? Get, oh, you mean the French feminists still like galanterie? Oh, yeah, galanterie. So, yeah. Oh, so French feminists like chivalry. Mm. So they expect men to open doors for them and stuff like that. You didn't hear that at home. That was a French audience member shouting, "Wee!" Um, what do you... Because you talked about this, about French men, you know, British men going, you up, but, and French yeah. men giving you poetry. Yes. Do you think French men are better yes. lovers? Yeah. I hadn't even oh, finished the saying, sentence. Sorry, sorry. I didn't finish the sentence, and she was like, yes! They're better lovers! I don't know what I'm no, doing No, no, they're not better lovers. Sorry, go Oh, they're on. not? Sorry. Oh, sorry no. No. Are they better wooers? Oh, 100%. But not better lovers. In my experience, well, I, 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 I put it like this, right? The thing that's good about an Englishman is that you know you're not going to be disappointed. Because even if it's terrible, it's sort of like you're half expecting it. It's actually... Right. The bar's low. The bar is low. So it's, it's great easy surprise. for a British man to get, climb over it. I mean, if he can find the clitoris, you're like, wow, this one's a right. keeper. With a French man, he'll op- his opening gambit will be so high stakes. He'll be mm. like, oh, you know, uh, they call me sex god since I was 11. You know, <laughs> but I, my ex-girlfriend had so many orgasms, uh, she died. And then... <laughs> oh, and then you get in there and genuinely, I've had the experience of it being like, pump, pump, pump. Okay, tired now. Good night, huh? And you're like, well, I'm so- I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to have to get back to business. This is not what I, it's not what I paid for, you know. It's, mm. it's... Are you seeing the same personal trainer as me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not seeing a personal trainer at the moment, but if you are such a personal trainer and you'd like to get in touch, guiltyfeminist.gmail.com. It's important that you don't know why you're contacting me. Now... That really made me laugh as well because my sister's husband is really against her getting a personal trainer because he's convinced that all personal trainers have affairs with their clients. Oh, that's true. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Do they? That's I true. Think... If you watch Hollyoaks, it's true, isn't it? But I just think when I'm sort of sweating and panting... <laughs> Do they? They like that, yeah. I just that's feel like, like so not, I don't feel sexy. Not sounding unsexy, Deborah. Yeah, I see. Now I hear it. I do hear it when I now I've said it. Um, are there any other broad stereotypes of men and women that you would can tell us between French and British? Because I'm having a nice time stereotyping. Yeah, it's I've really done fun. a lot of feminism lately. Am I not allowed to have a guilty bit? I'm it's having fun. a guilty bit. Let me stereotype. Please tell me. Go on. Well, one thing that I would say again, go back to this idea of like what feminism looks like. Um, I think feminism can look like so many different things. And for example, I think what's very feminist about British women is actually Ladette culture, or what they were called Ladette culture. So it's a way in which... Oh, Ladette culture. Yeah. That's so French of you, the way you said Ladette culture. (laughs) Trying to give it a bit of sophistication. Yeah. But the... (laughs) Cut that bit out. But the thing about it is that it's the way in which... There's been As if I get that authority. There's been no sophistication here tonight, except, <laughs> except the guests from the first half. That's it. That's been it. That's been it. It's the way in which British women um, are so unafraid of just like, yeah, stick on that miniskirt, head out, get smashed. Um, you know, wake up in a pool of your own vomit. There's absolute... No, but I, 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 I celebrate that. I think that is very feminist. It's this real kind of like, I don't have to have decorum. I can be whoever the fuck I want to be in that moment. And that's a wonderful thing. And on, in that sense, that's very, not, very much not the face of feminism in France. What's the face of feminism in France? Do you have a cigarette, a bottle of wine, and let's talk about Simone de Beauvoir. Ah. And there's a bit also, like, you know, to be fair to French women, there's some, like, real um, 
active street-taking feminism. You know, there's a big movement. France has got, not to bring down the tone, but France has got a real problem with, with femicide and domestic violence mm. in general. And Ni Put Ni Soumise is like one of the big movements in, 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 in France. So yeah, they get some, they, you know, they've got some like very taken to the streets. Brits are amazing at protesting. Yes. I mean, yes. we tried to have a revolution here once and you can see how well it went because... <laughs> Yeah. We we if if I get one story on my news feed about you know a Prince Louis a day I get twelve and I'm like I have don't click on these why are you still is one of them called Prince Louis yeah, yeah. the one that's the, the one youngest. That, the one that goes uh, that yeah. dances at parties and stuff um, dances on balconies <laughs> he's called Prince Louis I think <laughs> you're getting confused like, between <laughs> Boris Johnson's parties and Prince Louis. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas anyone called Prince Louis in France is already dead ages ago. Yeah, because you, yeah, yeah. You, we you, we you... killed them. Yeah, I'm joking. Yeah. Don't kill Prince Louis. He's only four. <laughs> Don't. That's not me. Oh, God, now I feel terrible. Uh, I, but, but I am saying that I feel like the French, any time they say, no, we're going to raise the retirement age or something, the French just take to the street. And don't they just? Oh my it's God. in the bloods. But, you know, we, they start us really young. So my first protest, I was 16, quite late. And, and I don't remember what we were protesting for, but I was encouraged to go by my teachers. So that's kind of the vibe. Mm. So it was completely organized. I remember you'd be at school. It'd always be someone who was doing the Damien L. They were all the cool kids. And they would um, get a load of us together. They'd take us to the train station, negotiate with the train drivers or the ticket people to let us all on because what we were doing was accepted by everyone. And then we would go on to a big town and we would all do a sit-in protest. So and the, the teachers would encourage that. Yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So I think at the moment France is winning. I think in in every way except uh, that women have to look, feel they have to look a certain way. Yes, I was going to say I have got a story for you though. If you want to hear something negative about about French women, well, <laughs> Fatia really does want to hear that. <laughs> she wants to hear it so badly. <laughs> so Fatia, you pre- buckle up. Are you prepared? Are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this this is a true story. Um, God, the build-up's too much now. But but you know, French women aren't perfect. Um, I was in a doctor's surgery um, in in London, and there was one other woman in there, and it was a French woman with her daughter. He must have been about maybe about nine, and um, she was speaking to her in French. And I know obviously what she said. She said to her, "Well, we're just here." to find out if there's something wrong with you or if you just need to go on a diet. Oh. So we're not perfect. Wow. <laughs> That's really, really frightening. Yeah. Um, wow. What do you feel about feminism in Morocco versus feminism in the UK, Fatia? I'd, like, the women in Morocco are made of steel, honestly. Like, the first comeback a woman will... If a man tries to, like, if, if like I don't know, if my sister's arguing with her husband or something like that, she'll be like, um, which means I'm a man and a half. Mm. Like, <laughs> I know, like a minotaur, innit? But mm. uh, no, but she says it like, I don't... Yeah, the, uh, women there are strong, indestructible. Like, I would fight 20 women here and I wouldn't fight one in Morocco. Wow. <laughs> because they don't mess about, bruv. They go for your face, innit? I'll get scared. <laughs> Why are you fighting get, women? The women... So are, you'd rather face 20 British women than one Yeah, Moroccan any woman. time, bruv. Yeah. <laughs> so not what... Yeah, no, they're... But they... Yeah, because they're just... They're really savage and they're, re- they're so strong. I remember my grandma. We wasn't... Did you fight your grandma? <laughs> My grandma was like so strong. She used to, I remember she broke her hip and all she did is wrap it and carried on working. No. She wrapped it in what? Yeah, just in like, you know that stuff mummies wrap themselves in? I don't know what it's called. Do you know what I'm saying? That I don't know what it's like called. a North African stereotype, if you don't mind no, me saying. Oh, sorry. So, yeah. But no, no, you're allowed like... to do it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> she just wrapped herself in uh, bandages, yeah. and, she w- and she still carried on working. Like, she was, she was a beast, my grandma. Like, she'd have a baby and then go and run the marathon. She was like that. She didn't fuck about, like... Because it's different over there. We don't have things like healthcare. We don't have um, social, uh, like, social care. We don't have housing and stuff. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's the bottom line. So, my, so everyone there is really strong and has to fight for everything they have. So You're the starting women, to sound like a Tory. 
Um, going, <laughs> the good thing about no social safety net is, is... No, that's not a good thing. No, I'm saying that's a bad thing. But I'm saying... No, no, I know, I know. I was, yeah. jo- I was joking, oh, sorry. Okay. I ain't sorry. a Tory, by the way. No, no, I was, jo- <laughs> I was genuinely joking. It was just that, that sort of, that, that sort of run-up that I thought yeah. if Pretty Patel hears you saying this, actually, it's not Pretty Patel anymore, it's um, um, Soella Braverman. Soella, yeah. If Soella Braverman hears you saying this, she'll be using it as a campaign slogan, but continue. She would, yeah, no, it was just tough. It was really tough, like, you just have to work, and, like, you know, the women have children and then go out to work. They work the same hours as the men do, and then, like, my mum would go out to work, and as my grandma got older, my grandma would look after the children, because my mum wasn't born here. My mum came here when she was, like, 30, and then she had me and my sister. Me my sister the only two siblings born here the rest of my siblings are born in Morocco but they live here some in Morocco and some in Europe so um yeah it's really like being a woman in Morocco is tough it's really tough but but there are like like some like if I'm in Morocco and I'm walking and some guy's hassling me if I go in a shop and I go there's a guy hassling me outside they'll come out and batter him do you know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah, they'll be like, him. yeah, they'll be like, don't start on the girl. She don't want to talk to you. So there's still that kind. The of... women will come out. No, no, no. The men, the, the men, men will yeah, come out. Yeah, they don't come... actually hurt them. Yeah, they do. Oh, they'll be like, do. why are you chatting to? I go, I go, yeah, he touched my hijab, and then they beat him up. Did he though? No. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> no, because he won't leave me alone, in it. I'm like, leave me alone, brother. I told you ten times already. Leave me alone. And you know when don't. you were trying to think of I'm a feminist, but that big one. You were like, earlier, you were like, oh, I can't think of any. Well, there's, I've got loads for you now. I've heard you talk. Uh, I, <laughs> I know, there's loads coming. But yeah, it's, it's tough. Being a woman, mm. I think, in Morocco. But is there a social movement of women in Morocco? Like, do women club together and say, hey, we, we want more or we want different? Or There are, but there's a lot of poverty. And it's, mm. it's kind of like what we have here. You've got the rich people. And as long as it's working for them, then it, it will carry on like that. Mm. The minute, and the, but us, it has to, and when I say us, I'm, I'm working class, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, like, so, and the minute, and it's, they don't care about us, they don't give a shit. Look at the NHS, they want to privatise it because mm. they want their friends to buy contracts in it and make money for them. They don't give a fuck about us. They can see a doctor tomorrow. Mm. I have to wait four fucking weeks to see a doctor. Did your, when your mum went out, mm. you know, you told that story, it's quite, mm. you know, it's quite a lot. Your mum took out four girls mm-hmm. to rural France mm-hmm. and didn't speak French. Uh-huh. <laughs> How did she cope? How did you cope growing up with your mum not speaking French? Did well, she I had learn? to translate everything. Did she learn? No, she does. No, she, she still doesn't, doesn't speak French. No, no. no. What did she do for a living? Well, she had, she had a shop, so she opened a, a boutique, and it and she was the funny, um, the English lady. Uh, in, in, you know, the English lady had the funny shop, and we did markets to begin with, and then she opened a shop. So we got by, but like you know, when mum. But bought the shop. I went to the notaire with her and translated everything. And like I used to go to the doctor with her, you know, smear test, potty in French. So there was, I used to um, have to translate my own parent teacher meetings. Mm. Well, that's, that's quite handy. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Highly recommend. She says, I'm a dream student. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. A star, nothing else to say. <laughs> uh, my mum is just someone who, she's amazing. She's a real. Uh, you know, tour de force, and she is. Um, I kind of feel like there's this. For me, I've, it's very hard to capture exactly what mums are like, but I feel like I come back to this idea of like, if you gave my mum lemonade, she would make lemons. Uh. She would. Ja- she would find. You don't think it's possible? She's going to find a way. She's like, I will make. I will turn. You watch me. I will do it. They say it can't be done, and that's and that's the attitude she very mm. much adopted. But the four sisters out there, you all presumably became bilingual quite quickly. And yes. Because kids do. Kids do, How old yeah. were you when you moved up? I was four. The eldest was 12. Four? Yeah. So do you feel more French or more, more British? It really depends on the situation that I'm in. You've got to bear in mind that I don't have French nationality. And that is something that I do explore in, in my show. So, so Brexit's fucked you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Deborah. <laughs> no, but you're right. Like, so straight sorry. to the core of it. Yeah, absolutely. Because for, if you were four when you were out there, you yeah. must feel French. Yes, I do. I feel very much... I feel sometimes not sure if I can claim it. It's this weird space that you're in where you're like, I don't know if I can claim it because I'm conscious that I don't have the nationality. But... Can't you apply for it if you were there since you were four? You have to live out there at the time. But it's, uh. it's, very, it's really tough to have been brought up somewhere, my childhood home, and I can't spend more than three months of a year there. Which, as we know, you know, if I had a breakdown, that's just not long enough. You know, that's just not long no. enough. 
three months as a holiday. You know, yeah. I'm not going to get a Netflix show out of that. You know, I need to have six months out there to really make yeah. it meaty. No, absolutely. Does your mum still live there? She does, yes. And so you can't, you couldn't go home and live with your mum? No, even not for she more than three months. Na- has she got nationality? No, she's got uh, categories or whatever they're giving out now, but sort of the, the visa that, that you get to, to live in France. I had a taxi driver the other day who said he had a house in Spain. His plan was to move out there to retire out in Spain. And he said, what I was going to do is come back, drive the taxi for a few weeks and then go out three months and come back. You know, So we were basically retired out there, mm. but I could still make money. And he said, no, I can't. I'd have to have 400,000 euros yeah. or pounds or something to go out and be a Spanish citizen. And I just so that means I have to sell everything here and I, can't, I just can't do it. And he said, it's just awful what's happened with Brexit. And I said, yeah, I know, and it's not fair for us because, you know, I feel like because we voted Remain, he went, oh, no, I voted Leave. (laughs) And I was like, but what did you... I said, why? And he said, I don't know, really. He said, they they lied to us and they told us it would be good. And I said, but if you knew you had a house in Spain and that was your retirement plan. And he said, well, there were lots of foreigners coming here. And I said, do you understand that the Spanish might feel the same Mm. about you? And he just, he said, I realised outside, he said, it's the greatest regret of my life and all my friends regret it. We all regret it. We realised we've made a terrible mistake, but we were lied to at the NHS and he said as a taxi driver, he said there were loads of Uber drivers here that like it meant that my salary was being cut in half by Uber. But I said, that's about the the regulation of Uber. That's not about foreigners. That's about, that's about our government just going, yeah, sure, Uber, and not thinking about the taxi drivers and not regulating it. And he said, no, I see that in retrospect. But the number of people now who say, oh, no, 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 I really regret it. If we had another referendum now, and I also think if people had known COVID was coming, they would never have voted for it. But we are now fucked, and we're not going to yeah. be able to get back in and keep the pound. Yeah. And I don't even know they'll... They'd, they'd put us at the back of the queue now, because they're so angry with us. Because every time I go somewhere, and you know you have to be in the long queue now, where you can't just go through with your passport, they always... I've seen them do it. You kind of go to Spain or Greece or somewhere, and when the plane comes in from London three of the guys on the passport queues take a break. Mm. And it's deliberately to make us wait. I've seen them do it and they laugh. They laughed at me. At one point, I'm just always like, anyone who voted leave should get to the back of this fucking queue. And when I get there, I've occasionally had an interaction with someone where they've laughed at me and they've Mm. gone, that's what you wanted. And I'm like, it's not what I wanted. I could actually uh, talk about this all day. There's so much more to say. Yeah, but um, it turns out we have spoken all night. Um, (laughs) So please come back. Uh, Tati, come back another time. You can yes. co-host. We're talking about more about this. Tati, please come back. I haven't. And worked should I say, if, if anyone wants to hear more about this, I do talk about it in my show. I was just going to ask you. I'm sorry. Where and when? No, don't be sorry. I'm delighted. <laughs> um, where and when can we see your show? Well, my show is called Fugue, Fugue for the non-French speakers. And sorry, how, what, how do we spell that? F-U-G-U-E. Oh, like fugue state. Yeah, yeah. like a fugue state, exactly. It's sort of um, uh, linked to that. It's going to be on at the Monkey Barrel One, which is in Edinburgh, for the whole festival, and it's going to be on... Yay, thank you! For the whole of August, the Edinburgh Festival. Edinburgh Festival, the whole of August. It's going to be on at ten past two in the afternoon. Ten past two. So if you're going up to Edinburgh, or if you can get up to Edinburgh... Go and see Fugue at uh, the Monkey Barrel, Tati McLeod. And if they can't get up there, or they're not going to be in Edinburgh, where can they follow you or see your work, Tati? Um, Tati underscore McLeod on Instagram, and I'm on TikTok as well. And I've got some dates for previews, Oxford, Leeds, Falmouth coming up. And um, hopefully, I think, a tour at some point in the autumn, slash winter, slash next year. Great. And Tati McLeod is spelled T-A-T-T-Y-M-A-C. L-E-O-D. Correct. Is that correct? She's doing some great work on the tick and the talk. Um, <laughs> check her out. Give her a follow. And you do stuff on Instagram as well, don't you? Yes. Yeah, 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 share yeah, it there yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so check her out. Um, Fatia, where can we follow you? If you just go to my Instagram, Fatia Algori, and I've got a link there on my bio, and it's got all my dates. I'm doing a work in progress great. at the moment. So, yeah, it's got, I'm doing tour support. Fatia is F-A-T-I-H-A. Yeah. And then it's uh, Elgori, E-L-G-H-O-R-R-I. Um, you've both been brilliant. Can we have a huge round of applause for Tati? Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to The Guilty Founders with me, Deborah Francis White. With our very special guest, Tati Powell, recording the show of the special art of The Guilty Founders, Guilty Founders, Guilty Founders,
This show is normally like clockwork. <laughs> if you've never been before, it's not normal. Like Just give us a cheer if you've come before. Woo! Well, nowhere else, Tom. Nowhere else. Look. Look. <laughs> Tom is pissed, bruv. <laughs> He's writing into the desk, bruv. Yeah, thank you. I get it. I get it. Thank you. Hold on, hold on. Is that your husband or something? <laughs> <laughs> he is. Oh, shit, bruv. All right. <laughs> I was going to drag him and go, where's my fucking kiss? <laughs> all right. All right. That's all right. That's all right. Tom, fatty would like a kiss. <laughs> This next section of the podcast is brought to you by Who Gives a Crap? Their super long loo rolls are made from 100% recycled paper or bamboo. They're good for the planet, so you can uncrap the world. Every day, over 1 million trees are cut down to make traditional loo paper. Forests are destroyed to make products. We flush down that toilet. Who Gives a Crap thought well, they could do better. So they started making toilet paper that can help reduce deforestation. It's easy to get overwhelmed by all the crap news in the world, but making the switch to who gives a crap is very easy. It's a small change that can help make a big difference for the environment. And that's what I want to discuss with my co-host for this segment. It's the amazing Sarah Barra. Hello, Deborah. Thanks Hello, for having Sarah. me. Well, it's an unqualified delight as always, Sarah. Can I ask, what are some of the small changes you or I could make, or in fact, smugly have made, that would have a positive impact on our lives and, I think, more importantly, the planet. Very excited to discuss this. Number one, I cycled here today. I, I ha Just let me just check to see if I've got a medal for that. Let me just, would you just check under the table to see if you have one for Do me? Do you know, I have. I have. <laughs> I Sarah did it. Baron cycles and saves the planet. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm psyched. So that is something I, as you said, smugly have done. Uh -huh. Something I am going to do. Yes. And I am not just saying this for this moment. This is real. This is true. I swear my life on it. I'm going to go into my local shop, Deborah, and I'm buying two litter picker uppers for me and my seven-year-old son because we were we have been talking about the last couple days that we do not like to see litter on our road mm. we enjoy living on a scenic and lovely road we don't want this litter there and what we were going to start doing on the days that there are no after school activities i'm picking him up from school i'm bringing the litter picker uppers and we're going to pick up litter off our road i really like that because i often pick up litter out the front of my flat just with my fingers and then just wash my hands because I, I I didn't think of a litter picker-upper. Um, or sometimes I get a tissue and then I pick it up in the tissue because I can't stand it. I hate seeing it. And if I see someone drop litter, I invariably go up and go, oh, sorry, excuse me, you accidentally dropped this. And that piece of delightful passive aggression <laughs> never fails to work. They never go, no, no, I deliberately threw it down in front of you. They go, oh, oh, did I? Another thing that I've done, and I don't know if you have any medals for this, but I've started walking places a lot more Deborah, because I feel I it's good medal. for me. Well, you're, you're, you're getting a silver. What? You get a silver Thank medal. You so much. Okay, can I upgrade that to a gold medal if I now tell you that I am taking a keep cup to my coffee shop and asking them to put my coffee in that? Gold. And actually, the, the reason I'm very impressed with that is my coffee maker broke two days ago after 10 years. Devastating. So I have been going to my coffee shop every morning instead, which is costing me an arm and a leg. But I am going to take something from what you're offering and I'm going to start bringing my, um, my keep cup. And I know that you cannot do without your coffee because I remember your hilarious story about how you decided, this was on your podcast, how you thought that you weren't sure you wanted to be married to your husband anymore or in fact oh, mother to your son and then yes. you realised you'd accidentally put a bag of decaf into your... Into yeah, 
I was having one of the, but that's not, I mean, I forgot that that had happened. And it's, it's because I've been thinking about my caffeine addiction a lot recently because the coffee maker broke. So I bought myself a Costa coffee last night at six o'clock to put into my refrigerator because the last time I accidentally had decaf, I didn't know that I'd had it. And I was having this day where I was like, I felt really tired, but it, it went from tiredness to like, I've made bad choices. I need to run for money. I should, I need to escape my life. <laughs> what if I truly wasn't meant to be a mother? I don't think I like my husband. And then I was like, I didn't have caffeine. There you go. And then by that point, it was too late in the day to have caffeine, but at least I understood the context. Right. And then I was right as rain the next morning. One way I've switched to using a keep cup is I got a very pretty one that I enjoy using. Oh, what color are we looking at here? Um, it's a sort of pink and purple uh, patterned one that someone gave me, and it's very sophisticated. Speaking of sophisticated, one of the great things about this bit of loo roll, as they say in this country, is um, they are the prettiest things I've ever seen. So someone, my husband and his friend have this gag thing where they send each other loo roll on their birthdays every year. So we got this huge package that must have had like 60 rolls Oh. toilet paper in it but it was from this company from who and then we wound we wound up sort of stocking them outwardly in our bathroom because the visual is so pretty oh well that is a lovely addition that they've made it look beautiful as well as making it environmentally friendly and you can uncrap the world by getting your very own box of very lovely recycled or bamboo loo rolls delivered straight to your door get 10% off your first order by using the code guilty all caps at whogivesacrap.org the world and your bathroom will thank you. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.